Thank you. We, we've each had our day, Cheryl. But our scripture today is coming from John 17, verses 1 through 3. And I will read it as thus. It says that, and Jesus, looking up to heaven, spoke these words, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Let us pray. Father God, we come today, Lord, to say thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you, O oh Lord, for the power that you sent to us in Jesus when he came into the earth as a babe, grew into a man, and trained others to be his disciples. We thank you, God, for the power that he left in the earth when he went back into heaven as he blew onto the disciples in the breath of the spirit and spoke unto them to receive ye the Holy Spirit. As he went on back up into heaven, Lord, the Holy Spirit came to live within them and now in us power for the purpose of fulfilling the call of God in the earth, power for the purpose of carrying on the work of Jesus in the earth. God, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in thy sight. But you are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of the message today is Embracing Purpose. Embracing Purpose. Before I forget, I want to uh, comment on the prayer that Sister Loretta just prayed as she uh, came against so many of the the technology that's been coming against us for oh so many years and believe it or not the, one of the main reasons of that technology is to disrupt the flow of the power of God in the earth if you can believe that they want to disrupt the flow of the power of God in the earth that disruption would surely hesitate and cause the abortion of the purpose of God in the earth, and that is to praise and worship him. So the very development of chips and nanotechnology and directed energy weapons and all of that is to Obviously, it's an assignment of Satan himself, especially as it is being used in humans to disrupt the flow of God that would allow us to fulfill his purpose in our lives. So this week, we embarked upon a Bible study that's entitled the same title as the message, Embracing Purpose. Embracing Purpose is a, a 10-week Bible study that's um, individually designed. And I say individually because it's, 
it, it helps us to self-discover what it is God has us for, who we are, what are we to do, how are we to do it, and what keeps us stuck from accomplishing the will of God in our lives or for our lives. It promises that upon completion, each individual should have a keener understanding of their unique design and purpose, that they should have the beginnings of a purpose plan for themselves. It's important that we write the vision. If you'll remember what God said to Habakkuk when Habakkuk came to him about the kinds of suffering that they were going through as children of Israel and God told Habakkuk to write the vision and make it plain. And then you, we are supposed to come away with greater clarity about the common roadblocks on the path to our pursuit of purpose. The pericope today, though, is that beautiful, beautiful passage in John 17 that is, that's called the real Lord's Prayer when Jesus began to talk to God as he was nearing the end of his time here on earth, he went to the Father in earnest sincerity of heart and began to talk to him about one, Jesus fulfilling and accomplishing his purpose for coming into the earth. Two, he prayed for those who had come to believe in God the Father through Jesus' presence here on earth. And then Jesus went on and prayed for those who would come to believe as a result of yours and my witness to the reality of Jesus Christ and God the Father, our creator, as we pursue our purpose in the earth. I thought about that. I thought about the name that we have individually. And as I thought about Jesus's name, which was a symbol of his purpose for coming into the earth. The name Jesus means salvation and the name Emmanuel means God with us. I don't know how many of you have looked up your name or the meaning of your name. Um, I have and, and have been very amazed uh, at the meaning of my name. My, my um, middle name in particular means grace. Um, means industrious, matches pretty well the kind of energy that is needed as I pursue the, the plan and the purpose of God for my life. I thought of the names of other uh, prophets and in the Bible and what their meanings were. Some of them are pretty, pretty uh, fitting. And then I thought about the ways that, that children are named today. And I began to wonder if they, if their parents actually pray and ask God what to call them. And once they get a name, if they really go and look it up to see what it means. I've noticed how the names of people have changed, of children in particular, have changed across the years. There used to be some fairly simple names like Alice and Jim, Sarah and Jane, 
James is a common name. Many times children are named from the Bible because they knew that they had noble purposes. We just know that tradition tells us that when we get married, that we're to have a family. And as we have families, you know, there are many different ways that babies are named, sometimes from a family member. Sometimes people get a revelation from God, as did Mary and uh, Joseph and even uh, Elizabeth's husband was told what to call his son. And many times the name is so closely connected to the purpose for which that child is born. This was the case with Hannah, Samuel's mother. She was loved by her husband, but without a child. She was taunted by the fruitful wives and considered to have her womb closed by God as punishment. Every man wanted a son and Hannah had not produced a child for Elkanah. It was Hannah's time of prayer and petition to God that caused her to be noticed by Eli, the prophet. Eli thought that Hannah acted like a drunken woman, but Hannah was walking in the anointing after having left the presence of the almighty God. Hannah had prayed through to the promise of the blessing and Samuel was born with purpose. Samuel was to become a prophet of God. When we talk about embracing purpose, Samuel was used by God to anoint Israel's first king, Saul. Then the king for whom the dynasty of God would be named David was named as king. David was the lineage through whom Jesus would be born. And Jesus would sit on the throne of David forever. Samuel was born into the plan of God in timing of in the timing of God to fulfill God's purpose, not just for a season, but forever. Considering the challenges that many of us have day after day, we may have one wondered what in the world was I born for? God, was I born just to be mistreated? Was I born to be ostracized and cast away? I can assure you today that the answer to those questions is no. There are also the, the world, the, the plan and the purpose of God in the world today may not even make sense. Why would God allow us to be under the leadership and the direction of some who may or may not be seeking him? who may not care about purpose or the purpose of individuals or even the purpose for which the United States is in existence. Let me assure you that God knew what God was doing when he allowed these things to be. For the promise to us is that he is in control, that he is on his throne and he takes care of his own. But then there is the name of one who was foretold by a major prophet in the Old Testament, also called the Hebrew Bible, named Isaiah. And that name was also remembered by the gospel writer, Matthew. His name was Emmanuel, God with us. Or Jesus, he shall save his people from their sin. Our scripture today 
comes from the book of John. And it describes to us Jesus' last days on the earth and his communication with his father. I want to tell you just a little bit about Matthew only because he was the one prophet who described Jesus' genealogy that is so important in the fulfillment of his purpose. So significant about the book of Matthew is that he opens it with the genealogy of Jesus and names not only the important men in Jesus' background, like Abraham, Jacob, Obed, Jesse, David, and Joseph, who's Jesus' earthly father, but Matthew also lists the women who would be overlooked by you and me if we were trying to see who Jesus' ancestors were, except Matthew did not forget to bring them in. Their places in history was to fulfill a purpose by God in revealing God's character to mankind. Rahab has a, was a harlot. That's a prostitute. Yet God had found purpose for her life before she was formed in her mother's womb. She was to provide a hiding place for the descendants of Abraham upon their exodus from Egyptian slavery, and she did. From that encounter of Rahab with Jacob and the others came the story of the spiral thread, of the scarlet thread, the the story of the secret of the scarlet thread. And some will say that scarlet thread even points to Jesus. Ruth, another woman mentioned by Matthew, was a Moabite who married Naomi's son while Naomi and her family were refugees in the land of Moab. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, was from Bethlehem of Judah. I'm hoping that you're able to piece together the history as it all leads to Jesus. And it's so miraculous, yet so marvelous. The story of God's purpose being fulfilled through uh, included Ruth following her mother-in-law, Naomi, back to Bethlehem. Y'all hearing these familiar places, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Judah, after the death of Naomi's husband and her sons, Ruth marries Obed, who fathers Jesse, the father of David, to whose throne Jesus ascended, according to the plan and purpose of God. There was a, an announcement by the angels born to you this day in Bethlehem, the city of David, is a savior. <clears throat> Do you see the roundabout way that God went to fulfill his purpose? Can you see the colored lives of the people that God chose to use in the fulfillment of God's purpose in this earth and for the sake of mankind? 
What a tapestry God wove in proving to humanity that God knows how to keep God's promises and God does not need our help. I, I always get into these long drawn out uh, ways about talking and telling the story and it causes me to spend more time than I, than I, I hope to. So I must hurry because of the need to keep the message short and the service timely. I once heard from a pastor in Houston, Texas. He was a tall, big guy, and he carried this little bitty Bible that he preached from. It was his declaration to us that he liked to preach just short enough to keep your interest, yet long enough to, to cover the subject. And that's what I'm, I'm going to endure, endeavor to do today. When we look at embracing purpose, there are some characteristics that we find in the life of Jesus Christ. First, he always knew why he was coming to the earth. Even before he was formed in Mary's womb, Jesus knew that his presence would be needed on earth. Multiple scriptures refers to Jesus being with God in creation. But in John 17, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said some very important words. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus goes on and tells his father, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now, there Jesus gives his own testimony that even before the world began, he and God had had a conversation about Jesus's need to come to earth. The Bible tells us in the fullness of time. Christ came. That means at the perfect time, at the exact time that it was absolutely necessary, Jesus came to the earth. The second thing that I want to share with you about Jesus's purpose is that even as a boy, Jesus was about the father's business. You recall Jesus at 12 years old in the temple one translation says he was debating with the scribes and the elders. How could a 12-year-old know enough about the word of God to be able to debate with those learned men? Every year, Jesus' parents celebrated the festival of the Passover in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is also called, as I've told you earlier, the city of David. If we go back and take a backwards look at Jesus' heritage, the dynasty into which Jesus was born. Jesus was left in Jerusalem by accident, and it took Mary and Joseph three days to find him. Jesus was found in the temple courts with the teachers listening and asking questions of those who were the scholars of that day. When questioned by his parents about this troublesome activity, being left by the family, Jesus' reply was that he must be about his father's business. Now, from a 12-year-old, that would sound kind of smart, wouldn't it? I marveled that he was missing for three days. What could have kept his parents 
distracted for so long, unless they had so many children that they couldn't keep up with all of them. But surely one of the brothers or the sisters would have missed him. But it says three days, almost a representation of the three days that Jesus was also going to spend in the grave. Was Jesus missing? The scripture tells us that Mary, though, held his words in her heart. At that point, Mary knew that Jesus knew. Perhaps that Joseph wasn't his biological father. And so she held those words in her heart. Perhaps those words went to Mary's heart because they were coinciding with some words that had been spoken to her even as Jesus, before Jesus was conceived by the angels who told her that she was about to have an immaculate conception. Even those words she held in her heart. I heard a story told by Sister Grace Ruth. Actually, I read it as I studied from this lady's writings many years ago about her conversation with Jesus, about how he always knew who he was. She said she marveled at the fact that Jesus seemed to never question who he was. He never questioned his authority. He never questioned who he belonged to. It didn't bother him that his father was in heaven instead of here on earth. It was okay that he had an earthly mother. Jesus told Sister Grace that he never went to bed at night without meditating the scripture and who he was in them. I'm going to read that again, and I want you all to think about it. He never went to bed at night without meditating the scripture and who he was in them. This is my first point. You can't allow anyone to define you except your creator. And that is the God who created the universe. How will you know what your plan, your purpose is in the earth? We have to go to him. Uh, Joyce, uh, not Joyce Meyer, but. Marilyn Hickey told a story once about buying a new iron. No, it was Joyce Meyer buying a new iron. And she was in a foreign country with this new iron and she'd never read the instructions and she tried to plug it in. And what helped Joyce was that in the foreign country, you know, they had um, their power, their electrical system is different from ours. And so you have to have a, a special plug or your and, and sometimes often they give you the right prong, say, in case you go into a European country, there's a different prong that will go on the iron that plugs into the wall to make it work. But Joyce didn't know that. And so she was plugging the iron in the wall and it wasn't working. It wouldn't turn on. She knew it was a new iron because she just take, took it out of the box. But it wasn't working. And so she said, finally, I decided to read the instructions. Once she read the instructions, she read about the fact that there is a universal plug and there is a plug that goes on an iron if you're in the United States. But the plugs on the wall in Europe and the amount of voltage is different. And so she then learned that she had to just simply turn the dial on the on the uh, cord of, of the phone of the of the iron and it fit perfectly into the wall. Well that's what we have to do in in looking for our purpose. Jesus said he never went to bed at night without meditating the scripture because the scripture held for him 
the key to the purpose for which he was in the earth. The scripture served as a reminder that he was here on a job. He was here on assignment. He couldn't be distracted, not even by his mother or his brother. So we have to go to the word of God, intentionally looking for ourselves in the scripture. We may find ourselves in there. I, I know we'll find that the word tells us that I'm the apple of his eye. Now, someone else might have told you something else. Someone else may have called you something else. But when you go back and look in the word of God, you'll find out that I'm precious in his sight. Well, I don't have to accept what man says. I need to hold on tightly to what the Bible says that man, that God says about me. Man will tell you that you're a car. So if you go and sit in the garage, is that going to make you a car? You can sit there all day and all night. And in the morning, guess what? You're going to be what God created you to be, a human. If you accept what man says, then you'll allow him to pimp you to the world, selling your body and your intelligence. But check out the book. Check out the Bible where we are told that God's plan for us is for his glory, that we were created for his pleasure. Another point that about Jesus's purpose is that he was challenged by Satan and by man. The Bible tells us that Jesus fasted for 40 days. Then he went into the wilderness. It says he was driven into the wilderness. Do you think that Jesus just woke up one morning and decided that he would go out into the wilderness? No, it was apparent that Jesus and God had decided possibly before he came to earth that this was the next part of the plan in order to prove to Satan that his power in the earth was nothing in a man or woman who was being, who was in submission to the almighty God. Jesus came to earth with the power that he needed to defeat Satan on our behalf. Jesus had authority, but his power was enhanced through fasting as Jesus made his flesh to be subdued. It says Jesus was driven into the wilderness after having fasted for 40 days. You know what is something about living in this world? We can't live here without the power from God. We're not in iron. We can't plug ourselves into the wall to get enough electrical current that will help us have enough power to stand against the enemy. There's not enough songs we can sing, not enough prayers we can pray without plugging into God because he's the power source. Paul really knew by the spirit that if we walk in the spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do we get the flesh under submission? It's by taking away its capacity to lead. How do we take away the flesh's capacity to lead? We bring it to a fast. There really is something to fasting, you know, and I'm sure that most of you probably uh, have already discovered that fasting is of utmost importance. If it wasn't, the Old Testament prophets fasted, including Esther, led in a fast. Jesus told the disciples, when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast. And then lots of people will say, but I can't fast. Let me share with you what it says in Isaiah about God's chosen fast. 
And it shows us very clearly that if we will but follow even this prescription, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Isaiah 58 verse 6 says, Is not this the fast that I chose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Now, this is what we're supposed to be doing as part of a fast. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? The promise is if we would do these things, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Now, somebody may say, I can't go without food for three days or for seven days or for 40 days. For Daniel and the Hebrew boys, it was going without pleasurable food. But here Isaiah has, is sharing with us a, a recipe for victory over our flesh. And it, it, he didn't say anything about taking away the food. He said, if I would begin to loose the bonds of wickedness, that means standing up for somebody when we see that others are, are beating them down to undo the straps of the yoke when we find that somebody is, is, is addicted to something that keeps them so bound up that they can't be free to even serve God. It may be addicted to the television so much that they can't let it go to go to Bible study or even to go to the Bible. Can we just kind of point that out to them and help them a little bit to let the oppressed go free. We think that we are oppressed and we really are. But believe it or not, the perpetrators are oppressed worse than we are. And they are, they don't have a, have a chance without Jesus. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Now we can, it doesn't even say go hungry and give your bread to them. It says, can you just share your bread with the hungry or bring the homeless poor into your house? These sound like things that Jesus said in uh, Matthew verses 20, 25, chapter 25. When he got down to the part in, point in, uh, in uh, verse 40, when he says, when saw I you hungry and did not feed you or thirsty and did not give you drink? When did we not come to see you when you were sick or imprisoned? And Jesus says, in as much as you did it. Not to the least of these, my little ones, you did it not unto me. These are the exact same scriptures that Isaiah says God will accept as a fast. In fact, he says it's God's chosen fast. And covering the naked. And then he's, I mean, this is a major promise, ladies and gentlemen. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn. And your healing, your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. This comes as, an, as an, a, a direct result of Jesus 
fulfilling his purpose of being challenged by Satan to show Satan that the flesh has no power without God. And Satan has no power in the earth when the flesh is full of the power of God. Then Jesus fulfilled his purpose by always knowing the power that he possessed. Jesus was always confident when he stretched out his hand to heal the sick. The demons knew that they were on their way out when Jesus showed up. And you'll recall the story when they even asked permission to go into the swine. Even in death, Jesus was in command. For when he was called to Jairus' daughter's side, he simply took her hand, called out her name, and said, Arise. Now, I believe that was something in the taking of her hand. Because what I've learned is that when we shake each other's hand, we're able to transfer our power to one another. We're able to encourage the presence of the power of God, the anointing on one another's life when we're able to shake hands. For those of you who have belonged to churches where the, in, in praying there's the laying on of hands, there's a transfer of power, of dunamis. And that word dunamis is dynamite that comes only from God, only from the spirit and the power of God into the life and the body of a, of a person who is seeking him. On the night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, he told the soldiers that came to get him, the only way you can take me is that I let you. He said to them very clearly, I could call 12 legion of angels right now. That's power, y'all. And, and you wouldn't be able to take me at all. Jesus went. In another place, he told them, you can't take my life from me. I lay it down. That means that on the cross, when Jesus said, I give father into thy hand, I commend my spirit. Jesus was telling the spirit, it's okay for you to go back to God. Jesus knew the power that he possessed. Do we know the power that we possess? I was told that at the beginning of the, of the targeting, time of targeting in 2003, People with whom I went to church, people with whom I prayed, people with whom I was in Bible study would tell me all the time, you don't know the, the power you have. Do you know the power you have? Uh, individually, we have the power that, that Jesus, that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what the Bible tells us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. When we can shake each other's hands or hug one another and feel the, that what seems like electricity, but we haven't stuck our finger in a, in a light socket, that's the power of God showing up. When we can, can begin to sing or even sometimes hum in a song of Zion and all of a sudden we just begin to feel that calm and that peace like a blanket settling over you, that's the power of God showing up. When we can utter prayers one for the other and, 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 and our, our 
prayer partners or the person for whom we are praying say, I felt something. That's the power of God showing up. That's the power that the enemy knows dwells in us. And if he can keep us distracted enough, fighting him, running away from him, trying to make to look like nothing is happening to us when it is, guess what? He knows that he's thwarting the power of God. But when we can stand up, square our shoulders, and begin to utter as Jesus did to Satan in the wilderness, the words of the, of the, of the living God, the words from the scripture, we're giving that power. We're using that power as a weapon in the kingdom of darkness. And lastly, Jesus embraced his purpose even to the cross. I'm sure there are many ways to talk about Jesus's journey to the cross, how it started in, in, in heaven, actually. He took his earthly breath in, in Bethlehem. How he went through Samaria on Palm Sunday and ended up at the at the cross ended up on Calvary. He knew for this cause he had come into the world, as we talked about earlier in the prayer that he prayed in John 17. He didn't run from the cross, but he had a hard time submitting and surrendering his will to God. There we were in Gethsemane. When he began to pray and ask God if, it, if it's just possible, take this cup from me. Maybe he wasn't ready for the culmination of the purpose for which he came to earth. Just maybe he was still thinking he had a few more things he needed to accomplish. Maybe there was one more storm that needed to be calmed and he needed to be here to speak peace to it. Just perhaps someone's child may drop dead and he needed to be here to say, come back to life. Just in case one more person needed healing. Jesus was not quite ready for the cross and he found himself on his knees in Gethsemane. Asking God, if it be your will, just let it, let this cup, not quite yet, Lord. Don't make me take this cup at this time. And Jesus, it says, finally came to the place of saying to his father in heaven, with whom he always come in agreement. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And the Bible tells us at that point, the angels came and strengthened him. How do we act when we have to endure our crosses? Are we kicking and screaming? It was a hard pill to swallow when we came to realize that we would have no more privacy, not in our bedroom, not in our bathroom, not in our car. Nobody likes to think that I can't have a private conversation with God. Somebody's always listening. There are these uh, terms called like virtual reality. That's somebody trying to force you to live in a, a world that they created in their mind. Or those of us who have. Um, the perpetrators constantly trying to define our reality. I see green tree, and if the perp says brown tree, I'm supposed to believe the perp. No, I'm supposed to believe God. 
Because what it tells us is when we submit to the will of God, he will always send the angels. He will always send help to strengthen us. Jesus knew that the cause for which he had come into the world was the cross. It was not for the cross, but for the results of the cross that Jesus came. It was that mankind would be saved from their sins. It was that we would be able to take hold of, take possession of eternal life. And we heard him say what eternal life really is. We think eternal life is to never live, I mean, never die. We think eternal life is that place where we'll go to live with God forever. Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. You have to understand that in knowing God, you're going to come to know his power. You're going to come to know his presence and you cannot miss his purpose. This is eternal life that you may, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, is it not befitting that the only way we can know God is through Jesus? You know why? Because Jesus came to fulfill the cause of God in the earth. That cause is that we would be saved from our sins and that we would come to know God the Father. The only thing is that we can't know the Father without knowing the Son. Thus, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. The only way to Jesus Christ is accepting what he did for us at Calvary. And that's what embracing purpose comes to mean to us. We've had the best example in the world, Jesus Christ. Jesus, who, who came in, into the earth, having left, been with the Father at the beginning of creation. Can you imagine how many years he had to roll back to get, get to that place of a baby? But he came just that way. He lived on this earth. He walked among men. He endured the backstabbers and the gainsayers and the naysayers. He endured the perpetrators and the stalkers. On his way to setting us free. On his way to defeating Satan. To let Satan know that though he is in the earth, we are too. But we're not in the earth without power. And that's the power of an almighty God. Who determined that no matter what, we're going to know our purpose and give us what we need to fulfill that purpose. The same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and it lives in me. That when we would dare to say, Father, I submit to your will for my life. Then comes the angels to strengthen us that we might walk in that power that's given by the Holy Spirit that also could not have come without Jesus going back to heaven. And so we have the definition that Linda Slayton, the author of the Bible study that we are embarking upon now, and her determination for the women is that we would know who we are, that we would know what we are to do, that we would know how and where we are to do it, and that when we get stuck, like Jesus was at Gethsemane, Our purpose would take preeminence to the cause for which we were born. And we would say, as Jesus did, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God, thank you for your purpose.
Thank you, O oh God, for showing us how to find out what your purpose is for us. Now, God, I pray that you would breathe on these words. Breathe on our time together, O oh God, as we embark upon a journey of finding out the purpose, O oh God, for which we were born and doing it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 For your inspiring message on embracing God's purpose for us, as Jesus embraced God the Father's purpose for him to save all humankind. Now, let us listen to a praise and worship song as we prepare hearts and bodies to partake of Holy Communion. Those other elements of a piece of bread, cracker, and water, juice, or wine to participate in Holy Communion. Thank you. 
Pray that you collected your cracker, your juice, uh, your cracker, your bread, your water, your juice, or your wine, that we might partake of the holy sacraments together. Come to this table, not because you must, but because you may, not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come, not because any goodness of your own, gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come because you love the Lord a little and you would like to love him more. Come because he loved you and gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ, for we are his body. The Apostle Paul tells us of the institution of the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I was also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray with your bread in your hand, loving God. We praise and thank you for your love shown to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life and ministry, announcing the good news of your kingdom, Jesus, and demonstrating his power by lifting up the downtrodden and healing the sick and loving the loveless. We thank you for his sacrificial death on the cross for the redemption of the world and for raising him to life again as a foretaste of the glory we shall all share. We give you thanks for this bread and wine, symbols of our world and signs of your transforming love. Send the Holy Spirit, we pray, that we may be renewed into the likeness of Jesus Christ and formed into his body. We pray in his name and for his sake. Amen. Now, if you'll take your bread or your cracker in your hand, the bread may now be broken and shared with words. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. You may eat your bread or your cracker. Now, if you will take your cup, In the same manner, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. Let us pray. Your death, O Lord, we commemorate. Your resurrection, we confess. Your final coming, we await. Glory be to you, O Christ. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us. So we and all your children shall be free with the whole earth and the whole earth live to praise your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. You may take your cup of juice, wine or water and we will all drink together. Amen. Sister Cheryl. Amen. 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 Let us celebrate receiving Holy Communion uh, by a praise and worship song, which will be followed by the invitation to discipleship.
that I might come and die. But I said I wasn't worthy to take his precious wine. But in his gentle way, he said, that there's no one who is not free. That's precisely why I died and rose to live again. People, people, come drink at my table, come eat at my bread. I have prepared a place Come and get my table as my wife goes free. As I enjoy knowing that you turn to me. He tells us that what he offers transcends our needs, and he'll always give us despite our sinful deeds. That the gift. That's a gift of eternal life is for everybody, one and all. That's why His loving hands reach down to us to render the call. He told me, Come drink at my table, come eat of my bread. I
See, it's my pleasure, son, knowing that you turn to me. Amen. Amen. We thank that was all such of a you. Beautiful time. Yeah. We thank all of you who are worshiping with us today on the phone or on the internet. We invite you to discipleship and offer a prayer of salvation. We pray that you've received all the blessings that God has given you during this service. The Bible reveals that God has a plan for every life and that if we live in constant fellowship with him, he will direct and lead us in the fulfillment of this plan. You cannot know the will of God for your life unless you first come to the cross. Confess that you are a sinner and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Once you do come to him, you begin a whole new life a life lived not for yourself, but for Christ. From that moment on, God wants to show you his will. Whatever decisions you face today, commit them to God and ask him to guide you, and he will. If you would like to ask Jesus into your life today, please say this prayer after me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I am not where I want to be, and I want your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. Please, Lord, in my walk with you, wash me clean from all sin, shame, and guilt. Come into my life, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Unite with Refuge from the Storm Church or a Bible-based church in your local community. Start reading the Bible. Email us at uh, to become a member of a prayer at admin at refugefromthestormchurch.org. To start your journey through the Bible, uh, please see our newsletter for suggestions on how to start Uh, this journey by using devotional readings. If you are not receiving our newsletter, go to refugefromstorm at aol.com to request that your email address be put on the list. Thank you. Now let us listen to our closing praise and worship song, which will be followed by final remarks and the benediction which our pastor, Reverend Nelson Black, will offer.
what to do.
Amen. Amen. I pray that you have been inspired today by the message that you've heard, had some questions answered. Sometimes we want to know, how do I find out my purpose? Where do I go? What am I supposed to do? I can assure you that God, before you were born, before you were formed, is what God said to Jeremiah in your mother's womb. I knew you and had appointed you as a prophet to the nation. So God doesn't wait until we're 15, 25, 40 years old to decide what we're going to become. He has already decided. We have to decide that we want to embrace what he begins to show us, sometimes at a very early age. But what we do know is when we begin to seek him, he is willing to reveal to us what his purpose is for our lives. None of us will ever have a purpose as powerful and as um, symbolic as Jesus. But we all have their people that God has already ordained whose paths we should cross. People that we're to give a hand up. People that we're to help. People that we're to share the good news of the gospel. And we can all be about the Father's business, which Jesus was certainly to tell his parents that's where he was, even at the age of 12. I want to invite you all to join us again on next week as we start our, new, our week again in service, which starts on Wednesday morning, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning. We will have our regular Bible uh, prayer meetings at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Our numbers are growing. We are focused on, on, on our praying, um, and we surely would be more enriched if you would join us. Also, on Wednesday evening, is our Bible study. That's our Embracing Purpose uh, study that we have begun. It's a 10-week study um, that is, she uses the word self-discovery, and, and that's made possible as we spend our individual time with God. We, we There's a workbook. There's a lesson each week to be read. There's a video to be watched. And then we come together to talk about our discoveries. I invite you to join us on Wednesday evening at 7, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Then on next Friday, next Saturday, is our regular church service. Now, on this coming Monday, the 7th of September at 7 p.m., that's Central Time, so at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, will be our ministry team meeting. Those who have part in the uh, presentation of our services week after week, those who are full members of the church, we invite you to join us on Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for our ministry team meeting. We discuss the business of the church. We make decisions for the running of the church. And if you are a full member, we want you in. If you have not yet become a full member, we want you in. Um, we pray that if you've prayed that prayer with Minister Carolyn today, uh, with Elder Carolyn, that you would stay on the call after the benediction has been given. And we will pray with you further about the decision that you've made. We'll welcome you into our church family. One thing about... Uh, the invitation to discipleship, God never intended for you to be an orphan. Even though you may have been pushed out of the four wall churches and the fellowship that we have enjoyed in those congregations, God still has made 
it possible that through refuge from the storm, you can still have a church membership. Uh, our church membership, we, we offer, offer two different ones. You can become a full member, which is a regular member, like what you have endured or, or endured, what you have enjoyed before targeting. Or we have what we call an associate member, and that's for those who still enjoy a regular church membership in a four-wall four congregation. But you also want to be a member of Refuge from the Storm Church. You want to be a part of, of our weekly services um, in, a, in an administrative way. Then we have what is called an associate member. So you don't have to leave your regular home church if uh, you have one. But we surely want you to become a member of the of the conference called church uh, as refuge from the storm. So if you have questions about any of those, feel free to contact me and we can talk more about that. I can explain that more, open up ways that you can come and be a part of our weekly services. Um, also, on next Saturday, the second Saturday in each month is our fellowship night so that's when we use zoom expect to see the zoom uh, the zoom link um in your newsletter i guess is what we'll have to do next week next friday or saturday morning when when our newsletter comes out we'll have the link for the for the conference call on zoom and there we'll be able to see each other face to face meet greet smile and be happy with god that we are together I think that takes care of our announcements for next week. I just wanted to reiterate those, give you my personal invitation to join us, tell you that you are important in the family of God, that uh, we all have a, a work to do. God has a purpose for each of our lives. Nobody is just floundering around like a, a, a log on the sea. No um, pastor, Bahamian pastor, Miles Monroe, said one time, he said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Well, that's not what God intends. God said, I have the plans I have for you. That means he's got the roadmap. He's got the recipe. He have the plans. The plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. So I invite you to join us at any of our services. Uh, contact us if you have have uh, crisis in your life and need individual prayer, we'll be happy to stand with you and stand in prayer concerning your plight. At the end of the, uh, the service, after the benediction, I'll be giving the, uh, our, our recording will stop. I'll be giving the benediction in just a second. Our recording will stop. And at that time, anyone who have prayer concerns or prayer requests, we'll be happy to take them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of all of the trials and the tribulations, in the midst of all of the storms, oh God, in spite, oh God, of the obstacles, we are able to come together. And for that, I am thankful. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to me, oh God, by your word, that you speak to me, oh God, through the words of others, through the songs, oh God. I thank you that you draw us into your presence. Because you want to be with us. Father, we want to be with you. I pray today, God, for those who are struggling in any way, asking you, oh God, to open doors, to make ways, to 
clear paths, Father God. We pray in the name of Jesus that you, by your power and by your might, will continue to hold back, oh God, the forces of evil that continues to want to come at us and engulf us in this power. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that there's power on the inside of us that we don't know of. Teach us, God, how to have access to that power, God, that power that comes by the Spirit, that power that comes as a result of praying and as a result of reading your scripture, oh God, and meditating in it and learning what we are and who we are and what we have as a result of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for making sure that we have an opportunity to know what it's like, oh God, to sing our way into your presence, to know, oh God, for certainty that you are pleased with our praise. I pray today, God, that you will bless my sisters and my brothers. God, I ask that you would cause your face to shine upon them, oh God, that you, oh God, by your power and by your might would remind them that they're precious in your sight, that they're the apple of your eye, that you know how to cause their enemies to become their footstool. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that as we are here together, Lord, that you will allow us to stand together, to hold up one another, oh God, to not forget Oh, God, the assembling of ourselves together and to be ever so grateful and ever so thankful, Lord God, that Jesus fulfilled his purpose of coming into the earth. And because of him, Lord, we have access to you and access to your throne. And we have the, the power to command the angels, Lord God. Not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. And the privilege of being who we are is because of Jesus. We give you glory, O oh God, and praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.